we've been in a salvation series for quite a while now, and God has been doing some amazing things talking about salvation. Um, I hope today that it is your number one priority to be saved. You can, you can forget everything else that you want in life. You need to make sure you've made your mind up. I want to go to heaven. I want to make it. I used to, when I was younger, I used to say, Lord, don't come back. I want to have, I want to do some stuff. I want to get married. And I want to go on vacations and I want to have things. I'm older now and I've lived life. Been hurt, damaged. My body fought hell. And now I understand why the elders said, come quickly, Lord. Now I understand why people get a little older and say, you know what, you can go ahead and come on back right now if you want to because I think I'd rather be with you. I've tried this world. I've tried what's in it. There's nothing that satisfies me. There's nothing here that I want. Just, I just want the Lord. And the longer you live, the more you, you, you try things. You eat nice restaurants and you get a new truck. You realize all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Like the richest, most wise man Solomon said, this is all just a waste compared to eternity. It's all a waste compared to God. None of this stuff matters anything. Just, just give me the Lord. Salvation is our number one priority. I know that God has been testing us these last several weeks, couple months. I know that you have felt a stirring. I know that you felt uh, a pressure. But this is such a good thing for me and for you to feel. It is such a good thing. And God knows that we can take it because you're the strongest people in all the world. You're tough people. God knows we can take this. And uh, God is going to move and God is going to bless and I'm looking forward to today. Let's go to Psalms 51 and 5. Pray for me today. I'm wearing my Crocs. Um, that means I can preach a lot longer than normal. Um, I can go a good hour in my Kohans, but when I throw the Crocs on, it's, I can really bump up to about 115. And, and so it's kind of like a sports car for a preacher. It's just, it's dangerous. And so uh, what I'm trying to say is when I get to crocking, you stop clocking. Um, <laughs> Are we allowed to laugh in this church? Some new. Some of our guests are like, "What?" Well, they were just crying, and now he's laughing. It's, does he have bipolar? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. No, I'm not bipolar, but I am dual-natured. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to the Lord's word today for us, continuing our salvation series. I hope it's helped you. And uh, last, I hope you all watched the video from last week. I hope you all watch it if you missed it. Because last week we talked about how you're, you're not good unless you're godly. Somebody, y'all need to go watch it. Yeah, it's okay. You're not good unless you're godly. We say people are good because they smile at us, because they open doors for us, they buy us some meal. That's, that's fine. But you're truly not good unless you're godly. And that is the real definition of being a good person. And you're not going to be saved if you're just good by the world standards. You're only going to be saved if you're good by God's standards. I want him to tell me that I'm good. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what I'm looking for. Not my peers, not anybody in the world. I want the Lord to be pleased with me. Today we're going to talk about the shape of sin. Because we've got to deal with sin. That's part of salvation. But we're not just going to deal with sin today. We're going to deal with the shape of sin. Everybody say the shape of sin. 
Psalms 51 and 5, David said, I was shapen. I was shapen in iniquity. That word shapen in the Hebrew means I was twisted. I was deformed. I was molded because of sin. The ways of sin and corruption is the iniquity. It's the ways of sin. And in sin did my mother conceive me. I was shapen in iniquity. I was born into sin. David acknowledged this, and today we're going to acknowledge the shape of sin. Because a lot of times we come to church and we deal with our sin, but we don't deal with our shape. We stay in the shape. We try to get rid of the sin, but we don't get rid of the shape. And God wants to break us from our shapes so that we can fulfill our purpose and go into our promise. He's going to take us through a season of breaking. And that's what the Lord has for us today to make sure that we are going forward and being saved. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated today. God bless you. And we're so glad you're here. At the end of service today, we'd love to meet our guests, if you don't mind. And we do have a tradition here at our church where people come to the front and pray, so don't be scared about that. Uh, no one's going to pray with you if you look at them like this. That's, that's Greek for please don't touch me. And, uh, but we do pray for each other at this church. We, we love each other, and, and sometimes we do want to pray with our guests, but we want you to come to the front and pray so we know that you want prayer. And makes it a lot easier on us having to hear from God. <laughs> and so come to the front and pray in the service so we can make sure that you all get what you need today from God. In Psalms 51, David was requesting a prayer of cleansing. After his adultery, yes, adultery with Bathsheba. And then the intervention of God's prophet, Nathan, who came to his face, pointed his finger in his face, and said, you have sinned. What a bold prophet to walk up to a king who could have him killed. Look him in the eye and say, you sinned, king. God, bring back the prophets. You know, you know what's wrong with all the messed up leadership of the church? There's no prophets. And the kings need prophets to balance them out. The reason why there's abusive leadership in the kingdom of God is because there's no more prophets that are pointing their finger in their face saying, I don't need your money. I don't need you. I've got God. And thank God for the prophet. Thank God for the prophet in my life. Thank God for prophecies in my life that keep me on track. Because sometimes as you get elevated, sometimes you think that no one can tell you anything. But there's always a prophet out there that God will send. And you might think he's a trash nobody. But God is speaking to him. And this prophet came and said, David, king, man of God, you're wrong. You're wrong. And you think you're going to get away with it, but you're not. God's going to deal with you. In that, after all of that happened, David went to prayer because being a man of God's heart, after God's heart, does not mean that you'll be perfect. It means that when you fall, you shall arise. It means that when you recognize you're wrong, you're going to get back up. It's not a, it's not a, a, a avoidance of sin. It's not that you live the rest of your life perfect, but it's when I do sin, I'm going to get up and get things right. So guess what he did whenever he was called out? He repented. He didn't change churches. He didn't get mad. He didn't quit. He repented. 
the entire point of confrontation is not to kick you out, but it's to get you to bow your knee so that you can be right with God and so that you can get the favor and the blessings of God back on your life. So he said this in his prayer, long, lengthy prayer of Psalms 51. He says, I was born in sin. I was shaped in iniquity. Because sin is the source of our twisted shape. It's our deformation. Our shape comes from the time we spent influenced by sin. The longer you've been around sin, the longer you've had your sin, the more shape you get. Five years living in a sinful home. Ten years smoking, drinking. Fifteen years hearing it, twisted, shaped. The sin did it. The sin did it. Make no mistake, the sin did it. But your shape still exists. It exists because of all of the years you spent in an abusive home. It exists because of all the years somebody with sin in their life hurts you. It exists because of the sin in your own heart that you allowed to shape you, form your thoughts, form your perspectives and your viewpoints. We are born in sin. We are fallen sinful people. But because of sin, we have a sinful shape. Our shape comes from the time we spent influenced by the sin. Therefore, we need, to, we need more than removal of sin in our lives. We need a reformation of our shapes. We've got to get our shape changed. You can get the Holy Ghost on Sunday. Talk in tongues. Shout, high-five your neighbor, and run out the church with joy. On Monday morning, you're going to finish your porch project. You pull your hammer out. You get in a hurry. You hit your thumb. And you cuss like a sailor. You know what that is? That's not the sin. That's the shape. That's the shape, y'all. I know you mean well. I know you don't want it to slip out. I know that you're trying to do better. I know that you really did get the Holy Ghost and you really did repent, but you're so used to cussing. You've cussed for years. I confess I did some cussing when I was younger. I know some of y'all not ready for that, but <laughs> when I was 12, I hung out with some poor choice friends, and uh, I said a few words one time. You know, it's so weird trying to say cuss words whenever you're a Christian because they don't work, and it's just kind of like, little blankety-blankety, and it's just like, <laughs> like you have no ghetto, you have no flow, you have, it just, it just, it's like you're trying to fit in, you know? So I quit after a couple months. I repented. I felt horrible. I know about that cussing life. It's not the sin, y'all. It's the shape. You're doing good. You really are. You're doing good. You, you got baptized in Jesus' name. You got, you got your sin. I don't want that nature anymore. The problem is, is that nature left you with a shape, a form, an identity that this is all you know. All you know is fighting and cussing. 
All you know is running all of the beer and running to the drugs and running to the women and the men. All you know is because all you've done. It's what your mama did. It's what your daddy did. It's all you know. It's not in your heart anymore, but it's all you know. And that's why God wants to change your shape today. Help us, Jesus. Help us, God, to, to change our shape. That's the problem that the Lord told me to, to preach today in this service. It's not a new temptation. It's an old habit. Are you all hearing me today in the Holy Ghost? It's not a new temptation that you're battling. It's an old habit. It's something you've always fought. Now there's no longer a desire to do it. It just shows up. It's just automatic. It's pre-programmed. It's just who you are. And that's why God wants to break our shape. God wants to finish the work so that we can truly be saved. You don't want to sin. I know that. You simply refuse to be broken and be rebuilt. Here's how you know. Please hear me. Here's how you know that you have more of a shape problem than a sin problem. Are you ready? You can't seem to stop but you still feel bad. You get angry and you hurt people. But you eventually will calm down and come to your senses. Apologize, make it right, and do it again two weeks later. You freak out on the kids, you make it right, you do it again. You hurt your spouse, you realize it wasn't right because you don't want to sin. And you go back and say, I'm sorry, but you do it again. You do it again, not because of the sin, but because of all the years you've let the sin mold you into a sinner. And it's the only way you know how to act now. It's the only way you know how to function. You're not being prompted to sin more. You're refusing to get a new shape. You like your shape. It's comfortable. I'm used to the shape. I don't want change. I don't want to get out of my element. I want to keep my shape. I want to keep what I think I know is truth. I don't want to break. I don't want to start over. You constantly, watch this. This is huge. You constantly reference what God used to do, but not what he's currently doing. You constantly use your testimony from years ago. To stand on and declare what God is doing today. But what God did a long time ago for you is one and by itself. You need a new, fresh testimony of what God did in this service. You need to break something today. Shift something today. Who cares that you got out of the world? You still got some shape to you. I dare say we will never get our shape complete until we walk on those streets of gold. And that's why Paul said, I'm never stopping. I'm never quitting. There's always some shape that God needs to break. There's always something that God needs to twist and reform. There's always something from my past I need to dig up and deal with. We celebrate that God got us out, but we don't talk about what God's doing today. I've met with enough elders to know that there's still sin and there's still temptation at the age of 60. There's not a place in life, there's not a place in church where you are here so long that you don't have to talk about your shape. We'll never arrive 
will never get there. So God help us. If you have a shape problem, you probably refer always way back to what God did and not to this morning what God did. Can we lift our hands together right now in Jesus' name? I'm so thankful for Testimony Tuesday, but I want someone to testify about what God did this week. I don't want to just have a testimony of when I was 12 and I was 19. I want to have one this week of how God took my tongue and he changed it. And God took my spirit and he changed it. God helped me not just get delivered from my sin, but God helped me get delivered from my shape. Oh, Jesus, help me today, God. Help me today in the name of Jesus. Help us today in the name of Jesus. We don't, we don't just need salvation from our cause. That's the sin. But we also need salvation from the effects. That's our shape. We come to Christ, and the sin part is as simple as repent and be baptized, and we'll get it all washed away. But then you get the Holy Ghost. What does the Holy Ghost do? The Holy Ghost uh, just like it did for Jesus, leads us to a wilderness. Even Jesus went through the wilderness. Even Jesus went through the wilderness. Even Jesus went through the wilderness. He went there to show us that it's not good enough to have a dove come from heaven and shout across the church. That's not the end of your religious experience. It's just the power to go in the wilderness so that you can break your 20 years of shame. In a moment, God can feel you, but it won't take a moment to change you. It'll take a movement to change you. God, in a moment, can set you free of sin, but he can't in a moment break your shape. He's got to take you on a journey, and you've got to walk it. You've got to pain, feel it, and you've got to break it. I thought we fixed the sin. No, no, we didn't fix the sin. No, no, no. We, we didn't just fix the, the sin. That's, that's part of it. The other part is now i got to get free of the shape. The best example, y'all, that I could ever give you today is Israel, God's people. Because the story of their deliverance and their promise is symbolic of everything that we're going through right now in our Christian journey. And so today I'm going to spend most of my time explaining to you Israel's deliverance. And I'm going to show you the difference in the sin deliverance and the shape deliverance. These people of God had been in Egypt for around 400 years. They had now had a population in the low millions. Egypt in Scripture is a symbol of the world. It's a symbol of sin. It's a symbol of culture. It's anti-God in every way. Israel was born in Egypt. Israel was born in sin. And they were shaped by that environment. It was in their mentality. It was affecting their faith. It was affecting their belief systems. It had infiltrated their hearts, their ideas, and their perspectives. And they finally said, you know what? I think I want to get out of Egypt. But Egypt did not want to let them go, and Egypt does not want to let you go today. Sin has 
good grip and sin wants to hold you and sin wants to keep you and the world wants to make a slave out of you and that sinful nature it's got a power over us and the only way to ever get free of Egypt is by God's mighty deliverance. You can't get out of Egypt by yourself. You can't walk enough. You can't march enough. And you can't fight enough. You need God to send you a deliverer. Egypt used the men as slaves to make them rich, to make them rich. How many of y'all feel like you work for Egypt? Isn't that right, Brother Andrew? Work hard all week, don't you? They're the ones with the yacht. You work hard. You serve the man. You let Egypt get rich. Egypt wants you bad because they're, they're winning off of you. But that's not the promise, Israel. The promise is for you to have your own victory. The promise is for you to have your own land. The promise is for you to have your own territory. For you to rule with God alone and not the overshadow power of the government and the world culture. But the will of God for Israel was to be free to worship God how they want to and not always be under the control of the man. So they were afraid to lose their workforce and they bound them into bondage to work for them even harder. Be careful men, the world wants to work you real hard for their benefit. They don't care anything about you. They could care less about you. That's why when you say, I want to go to church on Sunday, they say, then, then quit. They don't want you. They want you to make money for them. How long will you be a slave? But finally, they had enough. And guess what these men did? These men cried out for help. Because no man gets free with their own power. The men that worked hard, no doubt, began to cry out for literal help, for saving. And guess what God does when men cry out for help? He sends a Savior. Every single time a man will cry out for God's help, he will come to their rescue. So God heard them in their cry, heard them in their slavery and bondage, and God decided to pick another man named Moses. Everybody say Moses. God picked a man to go and deliver them. Now Moses was just an ordinary Israelite man who happened to be raised in the Egyptian palace as an adopted prince. It was a miracle how he floated down the river by faith and the princess picked him up and they, they raised him in the palace safely and he was raised in all the Egyptian ways. He knew all about Egypt. Nobody was more Egyptian than Moses. But deep down, Moses was an Israelite. Deep down, Moses knew that these were not his people. These may be where he lives. This might be the way he's thinking. But deep down, he knows I'm a child of God and I don't belong here. He knew he didn't belong there. And eventually this man reacted in anger because men that are living in Egypt react in anger. He saw his brothers getting beaten. He decided to take matters into his own hands because men do care. Men want to help. Men want to fix things. But the problem is, is men have to use their own power when they don't have God's help. And so he stood up to one of the Egyptians beating one of his brothers and he killed him out of his own power and everything began to fall apart for this Egyptian prince. Because he got afraid that when word gets out, they're going to get him. So guess what Moses did? Moses fled. Moses left. 
Everybody say, Moses is free. Everybody say, Moses got out. Why did God pick Moses? Because Moses got out. Guess what happened when God called Moses? Guess what he was doing? The Bible says he was a shepherd. Guess who hates shepherds? Egyptians. To the Egyptians, shepherds were the lowest form of humanity. Not only was Moses out, Moses was free of the shape. Why did God pick Moses? Not just because Moses got out, but because Egypt got out. You see, here, here's what we're getting at right now. You, he, was, he was the one picked because he was not in their mess. Because you cannot lead people out of their bondage when you're with them in their bondage. This is the reason why Moses was so worried about being received as their leader. Because he was one of them, but he didn't talk like them. He didn't think like them. He didn't have the mentality of them. Could even relate to those people he was trying to reach. It can be very intimidating trying to lead hurting and abused people out of their bondage. You know, they can doubt your calling. Where have you been? Are you even hurt like us? How can you relate to our pain? Where have you been? You're supposed to lead us out of here? You don't know what it's like to be like this. You know, that's kind of what you want in leadership. You kind of want them to not be where you are. Doesn't it make a lot of logical sense that you would not want someone beside you in chains to be the one to lead you out? Because how can I trust that you can get out if you've never gotten out? And how can I trust someone with the, with the, different, with the same mentality as me to get me out of this mentality? So the reason why God chose Moses was because he had already conquered things that the people were battling. He had already broke the shape off and become an opposite anti-Egyptian by becoming a shepherd. He proved to everybody that I know what it's like to get out of Egypt and I know what it's like to get the Egypt out of me. So God said, Moses! He said, God, will they receive me? He said, who cares? Tell them I sent you. Because it's not up for them to decide whether or not I've called you or not. It's up for you to obey me and go. They don't have to agree with you. They don't have to like you. But you're going to go there because you've already gotten out. And they need somebody who knows how to think like me and not like them. They need somebody that doesn't always have this issue and has that. Because that's the only way you'll lead a people out. Is you've got to have conquered something that the people are going through. The answer is simple. He was sent to deliver. Because he had already learned to live free. He was called to help others get out because he himself was out. Y'all, we've got to be open about our journey so that we can lead other people through theirs. We can't hide. We can't help anybody hiding with what we've come out of. There are people in this church that, that Testimony Tuesday has helped so much because now we know what you've been through. We know what you've overcome. And we can trust you to help somebody else overcome what they've overcome. But we hide what we've overcome because we think that what we've overcome uh, makes us this bad person in church when the truth is actually the opposite. It actually encourages us to follow your lead and let you help. But because we cover everything up, we don't know who to trust. How do we trust that you can get me out of this if you have not gotten out of it? That's why we must be open about our testimonies and our journey. This is why I, as a pastor, chose to be more open 
about my battles over the years. The ones who want out will appreciate my testimony. I understand the, the battles that men face because I am a man. I've overcome many of the battles that men are facing. This is why God chooses leadership, because he sees that we have to become that one that has already overcome so that others can be led out. And that's why I cannot choose to hide my struggles. Any man at AFC that wants to be godly can become godly. Nothing's stopping you. This is a safe zone for men to grow at AFC. And my encouragement to the men of our church is, let's connect together. And let's get you strong and mighty. So that you can go home and lead your families. Because sure enough, your families are hurting. But they don't have to anymore. They don't have to be in bondage anymore. We can get out of here, y'all. We can get out of Egypt. We can get out of the old life. We can get out of the old shape. I know there's a lot of shape in us. But we can break it. We can break that shape in Jesus' name. We can become godly men and lead our families. So the best thing you can do for your loved ones is get out of Egypt. Don't you wait one second on them. God will let you go back and get your family if you'll get out. I can't leave my family. Yes, you can. God will take care of your family. The best thing you can do for your family is to take a season and get out. Because out there, you'll learn how to get the Egypt out. And then God can trust you to come back in Egypt and not get twisted again. Everybody's like, I want to be an evangelist. I want to go out in the world. I'm like, you can't even take care of your own home. Evangelize your kids. Evangelize your spouse. Everybody's in a hurry to go out there and feel this special feeling of witnessing to people. Because you want to feel good. Work on your home. If you can't lead your home, you can't take care of your bills and yourself, you surely can't go out there and help Egypt. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. The quicker our church takes care of us, the faster we can get out there and knock on those doors and win this world. But the longer we keep delaying our number one mission, and that is us, I've got to make sure I'm out. I've got to make sure my shape is broken. As long as we delay that process, we delay the promise that God has for us. After a lot of painful convincing Pharaoh, the people of God are set free. Egypt's military might is drowned in the Red Sea, and the people get to the other side, and they're shouting, and they're jumping, and they're rejoicing, and everything's amazing and great, and they're dancing, and they're singing. There's only one problem. They still have the same shape. They're out. They're out. But it's not. They're out. They go to church now. But it's not. I expect more from church folks. I don't. It's easy to get out. Right? It's easy to come to church. Easy to put a skirt on. Easy to put your hair up and wear a suit and tie. That's easy. Here's the hard part. Getting the shape broken. The shape. That's the hard part. That's what takes years to do. That's what takes decades to do. So be patient with your brothers and your sisters. All right, let's go to the main part before we close. Now they're in this place called the wilderness. It's the bridge between bondage and freedom. It's a bridge. Everybody say it's a bridge. If you want to get to real freedom, you've got to take the bridge of the wilderness to get there. It's impossible to truly be free 
because you're not free until you're in your promised land. It's impossible to get there without the wilderness. You will never get there. I know you want to just jump over the wilderness, but you can't. It's a temporary training ground, and it's vital for future victory. It's not comfortable or easy. They're having to trust God for their food and their water in the wilderness. They quickly began to complain and talk about God and their leadership for leading them out here to die. They're shouting one minute, thank you, Jesus, for the great power of the Holy Ghost. And the next minute, they're complaining. The food isn't tasty, Moses. We had a lot better food in Egypt. Moses is taking too long talking to God up on the mountain, getting the laws. So let's build a false God while we're waiting. Let's worship it with Egyptian gold. They eventually get to the edge of the promised land. It's right there. They have to just go in, take the land. They're literally on the edge. But yet they say, we can't because we're just grasshoppers. And they're giants. Talk about hindsight is 2020. Make you want to just go back and slap them. If I had a time machine, I'd go back and slap all of them. <laughs> just like, you were right there. You know, we're, we're all like, well, that's silly. We would just go in. I know you and I are sitting here like, well, that's just dumb. Just go in. That's what we say, right? We, we have this 2020 vision looking back, and we're like, well, that's silly. They're on the edge, but you can't go in. You can't. Your shape won't let you. Your shape is the filter for which you see your enemy. Your shape is the filter for which you see your enemy. And when they approach the edge of the promised land, God said, go take it. Uh, the sin was over. Egypt was gone. There was no Pharaoh coming. The problem is they saw their Egypt masters in their future promise. Jesus, help us. Because until you break the shape, you will never believe that you can take the land. So they said, no way can we do this. It's going to be too hard. They are out of Egypt, ladies and gentlemen, but the Egypt is not out of them. They got out of where they were, but not who they were. That was simply the Egyptian talking. We can't do this. We can't do this. They dealt with the sin, but not the shape. And sin requires deliverance. But watch this. Shape requires the breaking. The sin is quicker to deal with than the shape. Because the sin is fixed by his brokenness. But the shape is fixed by our brokenness. His brokenness paid the price for our sin. But guess what pays the price for our shape? Our brokenness. And this is why people come to church and they seem like they have not changed. It's because they rejoice over his brokenness. But they don't rejoice over their own. And this is why we are not moving forward into our promise. The freedom of sin is so exciting. It's where we watch God work. But the freedom of shape is so uncomfortable. It's where we have to work. Everyone wants to be free of sin, but few want to be free of their shape. So like David, we need to own our shape today and say, I have a shape. 
Come on, close your eyes, point to yourself right now and say, I have a shape. Don't lie to yourself anymore, but look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's true. I have a shape. I have a shape. I got to stop ignoring my shape. Stop trying to lie about my shape. Yes, I was affected by that abuse. Yes, I was affected by that raising. Yes, I was. I see it in me. I see the way I act. I see the way I act. I know I've got a shape. I can no longer ignore my shape. I was born in sin, and I was was shaped by it. I've got to own my shape. I've got to own the root behind why I act the way I do. You never had a dad. Own it. It affected you. Yes, it did. Stop trying to be so tough. It hurts. It's okay. It happened to you. It happened to a lot of you. Just own your shape. The quicker you figure out your shape's off, the faster you can enjoy the wilderness. I don't need the wilderness. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You need a reformation. You need a brokenness, a reset. Stop hiding so you can heal your shape. Things were done to you. Yes, they were. They were wrong, and your perspective has been twisted your whole life. Sin did this. Not your mom and your dad. Sin did this. Not your mom and your dad. Sin did this. You're mad at mom and dad for not being there? Be mad at sin. When we start to figure out the real problem, we'll forgive people faster and we'll stop making excuses for our changes. It was not mom and dad. It was the sin inside of mom and dad. You're the product of a raising. You need to own what happened to you so that you can get it free and broken. Stop trying to cover up your deformed shape to impress everybody in church. Just own it. Look, it's fine. Say it like this. 20 years ago, I got the Holy Ghost, but it's taken me this long to break the shape. It's okay. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to get mad at you. We get it. We've got a shape too. Let's stop pretending like we're past it. We're not. We've got to own this so that we can go through wilderness seasons and break it off of us. Get a new shape back. Stop ignoring who you see in the mirror. Own it. The sin of others shaped me. My own sin shaped me. Own it. Own it. Own it so that we can get free of it and we can be saved and we can enter our promised land. But the reason we're in the wilderness seasons is because there's so much shape. I ain't never seen so much shape on people than the day we're living in right now. The Lord spoke to me recently and said, everybody, actually I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what am I going to do? Everybody that comes in has a horrible story. Nobody comes in anymore, everything's fine. Everybody comes in with abuse. Everyone comes in with hurt and baggage. And either if it's not money, it's sickness and relationships and marriages. Everybody comes in. And the Lord said, it's the shape. And I'm like, God, well, how do I fix the shape? He said, just time, brokenness, wilderness fixes shape. 
You can't preach it out. You can't force it out. You can't do that. I can't make anybody. All I can do is hold your hand in the wilderness and say, just hang in there. You're going to make it. God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. It's going to be okay. Be patient. God's going to break all that old stuff out. And we are going to be warriors. And we are going to be victorious. And we're going to take the promised land. And we're going to defeat the giants. Hey, listen to me. You can't defeat Egypt, but you can defeat the giants. You may not be able to take out Egypt, but God in the wilderness is going to give you the power to take out the giants. Let me ask you a question. Which one is bigger? I said, which one's bigger, Egypt or giants? Guess what wilderness does for you? It makes you more powerful than even the giants of the land. <laughs> Woo. What's God doing right now in our church with all this breaking? He's getting us ready for the promised land. For his ultimate goal for us. The ultimate goal of freedom and peace and joy where we, we have the domination. Not always underneath the pressure of the world. And that's why God has us going through a shape breaking. God said, find you don't want to go in. Okay. You don't believe my ability to take you in. Get wrong shape. Okay. You don't have to go. God did not make them go. God will not make us go. God will not make you go. God will not make you go. Grapes, honey, milk, beautiful things are in your future. God will not make you go. If you don't want to go, God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do for you. Follow me for a while, 40 years to be exact, and I'm going to take care of some stuff in you. And so an entire generation of millions of people walked in circles in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you know why? Because God had to kill off all of the unbelief so that the next generation could be free of the curse. It's God's first will for the parents to take their kids. It's God's second will for the parents to get out the way and let the next generation take it. But either way, a generation's going in. And I have made my mind up, I'm not letting my past my parents, what raised me, steal my victory. I don't care how I got here. I don't care what shape I have. I have a promise. I have a king. I have a wilderness. I've got every tool I need to go. So if I've got to bide some time and wait a little while, that's fine. Because in a moment, the walls are going to fall. And Jericho is ours. It may take longer than I like, but I'm going to go into the promised land. I'm going to see the power of God. I'm going to get what God has promised me. And if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. But we're still going. So what did God do for 40 years? God took them in circles, uh, and God let them think they were having good church. That was a good service, wasn't it? We followed the Spirit today in circles. Anybody else tired of having a circle church? Whew. Anybody else tired of shouting and running, and everything's still just getting just as bad as it was? 
But God led me. Yeah, God led you because you didn't want to go in. God's leading you in the circles. But guess what God's waiting on? God's waiting to take us in. And as soon as we're sick of walking in circles with a cloud during the day and a fire by night, shouting about the fire of God, the purpose of the fire was to take us in so we can raise our family and our kids outside the oppression of Egypt and the wilderness. But God will walk us in circles until we finally break. We finally have enough of it. And when all that old Egypt is broken off, guess what the next generation says? We can take the land. Let's go today. And the next generation walked up in there and conquered and conquered and conquered. Thank you, Jesus. This church has a promise, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to take the territory. I don't know who will be left at AFC when we go in. But I'm not living in the wilderness the rest of my life. My wife, we're going in. That's it. That's all there is to it. Whether there's a thousand with us or a hundred with us, we're going in. I don't know who's going to be with us in the end, but I know we're fighters. I know that we're okay with the shape being broken. We're okay with the process, and we have more in store for us than just walking in circles, having good church. It's not enough for us. We're going to go in. Not everybody wants to get out of Egypt, out of the wilderness, but I do. I don't really like Egypt. I don't like the wilderness one bit. I love you, Mom and Dad. That's what you need to be saying today. But I refuse to die in the wilderness holding on to my twisted mentality. I love you, brothers and sisters. I love you. But I'm getting my promise. I refuse to pass my twistedness on to my kids. It's going to stop right here, right now. Daddy, break your shape for your kids' sake. Mama, break your shape so your kids have hope to walk in the promise that you never had. I don't care what you have to do. We've got to break our shape. I've never heard so much, I'll do anything it takes for my kids. I've never seen so little of it. I've never heard people say so much in a generation, don't you dare touch my kids, I'll do anything for them, and yet see so little of it. Our children have become an excuse to not let anybody mess with us. And we feel, we feel like valor and, and chivalrous because we say, I'm a good parent, don't touch my kids. I have heard it 10 times probably this year. I heard it as a youth pastor every week. Don't touch my kids. But you know what our kids really need the most? They need for us to break as their parents. To stop fighting what God's trying to do in our lives. If you really love our kids, look in the mirror, have a conversation with your pastor, and say, bless God, I'm breaking the shape off of me because I love my kids so much. One of the reasons why I meet with my pastor and I, I pray and talk to mentors is because I refuse to continue on the family tradition. I refuse to do things like that for my kids. And I'm not perfect and I'm still working on my shape too. But I'm doing everything I can to make sure I hand off to my children a better shape to follow. Because a lot of my shape comes from my raising. You know what that means for my kids? 
a lot of their shape comes from my raising. The quicker I change, the quicker I bless my kids. Our kids don't need money or things. Our kids don't need us to always give in to them. Our kids need to see a new shape in us. Our kids need to see us say, you know what, I've been raised my whole life like this, and now I'm 30 and 40 and 50, and this is all I know. But bless God, now I'm nothing like that. I'm changing my shape. Your kids need to watch the metamorphosis take place and watch the wilderness work and watch you break before them and watch you change. I'm so thankful that my daughter, Odessa, who's 13, moment of silence <laughs> I'm so thankful she never she doesn't see me anymore staying up late at night playing Xbox when I should be doing something else I'm so thankful that she has seen it and she's seen me stop I'm so thankful she's seen me waste my time and then see me regain my time you can change you hear me your kids can watch you change and you can be the first testimony of the goodness of God. But let's don't just bring our kids to church and say, I have a story from back then. Let's show them now. And let God break us. In my closing today, I want to take you, Mr. Cheyenne, Isaiah 64, 6 through 9 in the New King James Version to close. Thank you, Lord. The prophet Isaiah said, But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness, they're just like filthy rags. We are so dirty. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, remember that word iniquity from our text in Psalms 51? Here it is again. Our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away our iniquities have moved us down the road our iniquities have have done things to us have misplaced us and there is no one who calls on your name who stirs himself up to take hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities but now O oh lord you are our father and we are the clay. You are potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Do not be furious, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we are all your people. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is the potter. And we are in his hands. And he shapes us. And he pushes us. And he makes us. And we wonder why God is trying to hurt us. But he's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to fix us. 
He's trying to reset the bones that life has put in the wrong places. He's the good chiropractor that I know a lot about who tries to shift and manipulate and place things. And you say, ouch, and why did you do it? And God, I thought you left me. And he's saying, just trust me. I am your father. I am the potter. And you are the clay. And you feel like your life is spinning out of control. But you're on the potter's wheel. And he's trying to put pressure on you. He's trying to repair you. He's trying to break you down, heat you up, melt you, and get you ready for a reformation. Do not fight the process of your shape change. Because if you really want to be saved, you really want to go to the promised land, you've got to be willing to let God not just deliver you from sin, but also from your shape. This is a shape-changing church. And this will be one of the most uncomfortable churches for people who love their shape. I don't want anyone to leave, but I know this. The shape pressure will continue to push at AFC. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep thanking God for the shape changes because it hurts, but it's good for me. It's blessing me and my wife and my children, and it's blessing my ministry because I'm open to the shape, and I don't like it sometimes, but the quicker I can learn my lesson and the faster I can go through my wilderness, the quicker I can get my sword and my horn, and I can watch the city in front of me fall and the walls fall. I don't want to delay something that I can do quickly. Did you know that all they had to do was just endure a short season in the wilderness and they could have gone in the promise? It's not the will of God for us to continue walking in circles. But to just let the potter work. Let the potter work. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word today. Every guest that's here, God, every member today. I pray today that this has sparked something in somebody that you've given me a word today. And I pray that my heart has been felt and the passion has been felt. But God, like I've preached, I can't change anybody's shape. I can't be the one that breaks them. A pastor is not called to break people. Lord, you have to lead us through a season of brokenness. And we've got to accept it. And the faster we can be broken, the faster you can rebuild and we can take over giants standing before us. Lord, this is your will for us today in this service. I don't want to look at yesterday's testimony. I want a new one this morning. God, give me a new one today. Some of you today, you just need to get your shoulder readjusted because it's been out of line for 20 years. Just work on something today. Some of your knees a little bit off, your toes, your feet, something's not right. Uh, but you know what you can do today in this service? Uh, you can set aside the fact that God got you out of Egypt uh, and you can look ahead and say, but I'm not in my promise. It doesn't matter what God's brought me out of. I want to get out of Egypt in my heart uh, so that I can have the promised land and take out the giants. Uh, I'm not satisfied, God. I know where you've brought me, but I also know where I'm not. Uh, and I want you to do what you got to do to get me there. Does anybody want to go to your promise today in Jesus' name? Here's how we're going to do it. Lord, lead me through a process where I have to trust in you. 
Lead me through a place of brokenness. Lead me through the laws of God. Lead me, God, through places where I don't have water, but you, you create water out of a rock. Uh, God, lead me through places where I don't even know where my next meal is going to come from, but God, you're going to bring manna from heaven, and quail are going to come, and you're going to provide a way for me. You're going to give me a light at night to warm me and to lead me in a cloud by day in the heat of the sun. I've got to learn in this wilderness season to trust in you and you alone because how can we take out giants? if we can't trust God with the wilderness. I have no right today to stand up here and ask grown, powerful, strong men to change. I am nobody by the world's standards. I'm just the young man sent here to Austin First Church who knows that I am out of a lot of things. And I'm still getting out of a lot of things that many people in this church today are in. I understand what it's like to have anger, to have rage, to have addiction. I understand what it's like to go through temptation and problems. And God's quick wilderness season he's put me in. He has forced me to speed up the time clock so that I can help other men I thank you men who've already met with me and you women who've met with my wife, met with us both, for meeting because we've already seen great results in you. You're not alone in your wilderness. God wants us to do this together. God wants us to walk in this together. Why would you go through your wilderness by yourself when you've got men and you've got women all around you who say, I'll hold your hand and I'll walk you through? God did not call Israel to walk through their wilderness alone, but he called them hand in hand to trust God together. And God, I pray today for us to have a unity about each other that says, you know what, if we're going to suffer and hurt, we're going to love each other while we do it. If we're going to suffer and hurt, we're going to at least look to each other for strength while we're here. God has given us examples to get out of it. And that's what I'm looking for with Testimony Tuesdays, examples to get out of it. Thank you, Jesus, for examples of people who have come through, have overcome, because others need to hear our testimony and let us lead them out of their storms. I pray that this next season of our life will be a quick season of people saying, that's it, I'm done, I've walked in circles for too long, I admit I've got a shape about me, I know that I'm trying to live right, I don't want to live wrong, but my shape always pulls me back to the old way. I confess, Pastor, I confess, Lord, I have a shape. I have a shape! Come on, go there right now in your spirit, go there right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, go ahead and look at how you got to where you are right now. Own it today. Don't get mad at mom or dad. Don't get mad at neglect or preachers or saints in church. Get mad at sin. Because sin did that to you. Sin left you hurting and bound and twisted. Just sin. But thank God I'm out of sin. I just got to go through the process of the breaking. I got to break this old shape off. I'm sick of seeing people as my enemy. That's my old life. I'm sick of reacting and getting triggered all the time. That's my old life. I'm sick of having to use tactics from the old life in the new life. These won't work with giants. I got to give up the Egyptian way. 
I'm out of Egypt, but I want Egypt out of me. I'm sick of Egypt being inside of me, telling me how to talk, telling me how to live, telling me how to spend my money. No! Break the shape, Jesus. I'm going to fast until I'm broken. I'm going to cry until you, you help me, but I refuse to go another day without a testimony of you taking this tongue and taking this heart and remaking me and molding me. God put me on the potter's wheel again and spin me. Spin me and push me. Spin me and pressure me, but take this old shape and break it and pressure it. I trust you, God, whatever you've got to do, Whoever you got to send my way, God, I give you absolute permission. I will not be angry, God. I won't be angry, God. Just get this shape out of me. Make me in your image. Make me a new creation, God. Oh, he's doing it. Y'all hear me? He's doing it today, church family. He's doing it. He's been doing it for years now, and we haven't liked it. It's been tough to endure, but he's doing it. Don't fight the process. Here's what happens when you fight the process. You die in the wilderness, never seeing the promise. I'm not dying in the wilderness. This is my bridge, not my destiny. I refuse to die on this bridge. What a tragedy to die on a place that its entire purpose was to move me forward. I'm not dying here. I'm not walking in circles, but I'm praying this prayer. God, God, quickly, quickly break me. God, break me. Break me, God. I'm finally ready to be broken. Yes, Lord, speak to us. The Lord just spoke to me and said, you're so tired of being beat by Egypt, you don't think you can trust God to be beat in the wilderness. But listen, he's not going to beat you like Egypt. He won't abuse you like Egypt did. This season of brokenness won't be like that last season because in this season, he'll provide things from heaven. In this season, he'll, he'll give things to you. Nobody gave things to you in your last season. All they did was take stuff from you. But in this season, he'll make you and mold you. He'll give you what you need and everything that you don't. He'll keep it from you. But to all the abused people out there who don't want to trust God's process, he's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to break the things off of you that are hurting you. The church is really a safe place. It really is a safe place. God uses the good and the bad in the church to break, to break the old shape. Thank you, Lord. You're not coming to the altar today because of me. You're not coming because a man told you, let's get that macho thing out of there. We're coming because you feel the Spirit of God leading and drawing you. You're not coming because of Moses. You're coming because of the God that called Moses. It's the God that used Moses that gets all the glory and all the credit. Moses is just a normal guy that God called to use. The altar today is for men and women and children and teenagers because we've got to hurry up and get this done because I don't know about you, I'm sick of hanging on my cross suspended between heaven and earth uh, saying, when will I die? I want to get this done so I can go in 
to my promised land. The altars are open right now, and thank you for coming. Let me pray too with you in Jesus' name. God, help us right now. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. God, touch our men.